Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, please email us at info at If you would like to support this ministry financially, visit us at capitalchristian.com and click the Give button in the top right corner. Just kidding. Anyway, we're here today to worship God. And I have a word I want to share with you. Um, I was, you know, it's Super Bowl Sunday, so I was uh, just perusing news and everything. And, and uh, I saw it. There was a, a church back east that decided they, they wanted to figure out who God was for. Who would God choose? So they went to the Bible and looked every, every, everywhere where an eagle or eagles were note, noted, and there was 33 of them. You went to every place where the patriot was noted, and there was zero. <laughs> so they determined that the God wants the Eagles to win. It'll be 33 to nothing. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm actually neutral in this. Although, man, those Eagles with, uh, did you hear about their quarterback, Foles, wants to be a pastor after he retires from the NFL? That's pretty cool. I'm sure there are a great amount of Christians on each team. So I'm not sure God's involved in deciding who's going to win. I guess we'll find out one day. But we'll find out today who, who wins, and it's, it's always fun. I'm actually, the older I get, the less competitive I am, and the less I really care, you know. Because if, if you think about it, you probably can't even remember right off the top who won last year's Super Bowl. And some of you couldn't even care. That's why the Eagles are going to win today, you know. <laughs> Pride goes before a fall, John. Yeah. Okay, well, um, we've had a great season here and um, of speaking. D- didn't you appreciate the, uh, the Vision Weekend? Solemn Assembly, Sacred Assembly. Oh, and I just wanted to mention that Connie and I had the privilege this week of flying back to North Carolina and uh, going to the Billy Graham Retreat Center uh, called The Cove. And we were there, of course, we flew on Delta, John. I, I, when I fly on Delta, I always look in the cockpit. Is John here? He's our Delta pilot. Are you, are you MD-90? Okay. Yeah, I flew on one of them this week, and you weren't there. And you were here all week? Wow. You're supposed to fly me. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, flew back to, uh, boy, it's a long ways, North Carolina, through Atlanta. And uh, we got there, and we met with uh, uh, a number, quite a few people from across the nation who are on the same course we're on of trying to bring revival to America. And so we met, we prayed, we strategized, we believed, we coordinated, we networked. God's doing something. And it was really exciting uh, as we made new relationships as well as renewed old. And just to let you know where we're sitting right now with the National Prayer Center back in Washington, things are still moving forward. Uh, and I'm going to speak a message today that you'll understand this. Uh, God's delay doesn't mean God's denial. 
and we just uh, we wait for the perfect time. And so keep praying that God is going to move in a special way. Incidentally, next Sunday after second service is our legacy group meeting. Next Sunday after second service, that's those of you who consider yourself mature in the Lord, 55 years of age or older or whatever you can, if, if you're 45 and like to join us, come. I don't really care. I mean, that's it's great. You'll, we'll have a great time together. So just to enjoy that next Sunday. But I wanted to just relate to you, God's doing something. Now, let me tell you something just off the top, because I'm going to get into the message and give you four points today that I want you to, to actually apply in your life. But here's the word that you need to understand, that the world is here to program you to be a doubter and a pessimist. The, the news, the world will always attempt to get you not to believe, not to think about the things of the kingdom, in a, and not to think positively. And so everything they do is, is to bring your thinking process. That's why we need to renew our minds daily. And that's why you need to be in the word daily, because the word is the only thing that will really bolster you and lift you up so you can actually be in the realm that God wants you to be. Last week, as, as uh, Tracy spoke, that was a great word. Uh, she spoke about uh, uh, Peter is a risk taker. And as she spoke that, I just, uh, I, was, uh, I was really stirred because I felt like one of the, and I mentioned this to the staff earlier this year, one of the characteristics of this house is risk taking. We've done it our whole, our whole lives here. And uh, Peter was a risk taker, and his love for Jesus was greater than his desire for security. Our love for Jesus must be greater than our love for security or just safety. And Peter took huge risks, and everyone in the Bible seemed to take huge risks. So today I'm going to talk about entering your promised land and entering it based upon taking risks. And I want to I want to uh, uh, share this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the Bible after I pray. I'm gonna read some scripture. We're gonna discuss what God wants to do in our lives and apply it. I I hope you apply everything that comes and you don't just oh that was a good word and then you leave and you never think about it again. Now I'm a, I'm a school teacher, so I know that's a, that's kind of par for the course for Americans. We learn something, but we take we don't really apply it. And so let's apply whatever we can today. Father, we believe right now, this morning, that you're doing something special in our hearts. On a Super Bowl Sunday, when everybody's looking at all the, the hoopla and, and all of the great uh, activities surrounding the game and the game itself, which is all good, we, but Lord, we want, we want to be in a Super Bowl with you. We want to be supercharged for the super journey that we're on. And I pray today that there would come a deep impartation that would, that would do something uh, unique in our hearts and real in our hearts. And so I pray right now for the power of the Holy Spirit, you'd renew our minds, and we would allow the Word of God to direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, all of us in this room are on a journey, and uh, it's always good to look back and see what God has done 
to note what God wants to do in the future. We don't look at the past in a way that we, we center on the past. That's why in your car, you don't, your, your rear view mirror is small and your windshield is large. Because if you looked in, your, in, your, in the past, in the rear view mirror all the time, you'd have crashes all the time. But you want to look in the rear, you want to look in the, in the windshield, through the windshield, and once in a while you direct your thoughts and your eyes to the rear view mirror to determine who's behind you and how you should guide your, your, your car. It's the same way in life. We need to be looking through the, the windshield, but at times we need to look back at what God has done. And God will give us a frame of reference that way. God says all things are possible. God says all things are possible. Say it with me. All things are possible. Now, in Luke 19, verse 11, we see a, a story, an interesting story. And, and Jesus said this a, a, a lot. He, he would often say, you have heard it was said, but I say unto you. He was saying that the world says all this to you, but I tell you, it's not quite like that. This is how you need to think. And so he used the parable of, the, of money or minas in, in uh, Luke 19, verse, I'll start with verse 12. Therefore he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country, and you know this, this parable, but I want to I go through it real quickly, to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minas, and said to them, do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. And came the first, saying, Master, your minas are in ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little. Have authority over ten cities." And the second came saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Then another came saying, Master, here's your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you because you are an astute man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, which was a lie, and he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that on my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. And, and for I say to you that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Wow. It's an interesting scripture. Jesus said it. I didn't, I didn't say that. But it's very fascinating how Jesus, how the kingdom of God looks at things. Can I just tell you that the, the world and all the politicians, they don't look at things right. Can I just say that, uh, I want to be careful how I say this, but uh, in a way, capitalism is a God idea. Now, how, why do I mean by that? Because it's investment in something. It's taking a risk. Communism is a satanic, a satanic idea. 
because it's not taking a risk. Now, capitalism in itself is not a, it's, it's not a God thing, nor is it sac sacred or sacrosanct. What it is, it's just a principle that we apply. Now, what I'm saying today is you've got to apply things in your life, investing or putting things into practice. God gives you talents, resources, and things that are to be applied in his way to his kingdom. But the key is this. Here's the key. You've got to hear God's voice to know what to do with it. In other words, you've got to, you, you've got to have a word from God. The Bible says that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So once you get a word from God, you just go for it because all things are possible. But you got to do something with it. That's why everything having to do with, uh, with the economy of God is, is investment. It's, it's pouring yourself out. It's having faith to believe. It's, ask, it's actually taking a risk. Now, sometimes you take a risk because you decide you choose to. Other times you have to take a risk because you're forced to. You ever notice that? Now there's a there's a hero in our church that I'm gonna I'm gonna embarrass him right now. There's a hero in our church. His name is Al Marsden. He's sitting over here. He comes every 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 Sunday. Uh, about uh, about 20 years or so ago, a little over that. One day he found himself in the hospital. And I'm going to ask you a couple questions in just a minute, Al, so get ready. Okay? He found himself in the hospital. He, was, he had a very well-placed uh, position. He was in a position with J.R. Simplot, and his life was seemingly going really well, but all of a sudden he finds himself in the hospital. And they tell him, you have 30 minutes to live. 30 minutes to live. What would you do? He decided to start praying. His wife was with him. Incidentally, he just lost his, his wife about four or five months ago, and, and she was a delight to all of us. But, but Al, he did something. He decided to believe God. And uh, they put him on a, a, a heart machine. At the, those days, that was 20-some years ago, put him on a heart machine and, and to, just to keep him alive until they could find a, a uh, uh, suitable uh, heart someone who would be able to donate a heart who had passed away. And so that happened. How long was it you were on the heart machine, Al? Five months. You were on the heart machine? Five months. Five months. And they gave him a heart. Now, he's, uh, he's only about 23 or 4 years old now because <laughs> he's, got a, he's, uh, he's got a new heart. And the heart of the person that was given to him was only in the mid-20s, I think, wasn't it? So what did you say when you found out that you were going to have to have a heart transplant? How did, you, how did you make it through it? Remember all the words you kept telling me that you said? <laughs> I love God, and he's going to take care of me. And he kept saying it over and over and over. He said, I have faith in God. I just believe God. I have faith in God. He started quoting scripture. His wife was a real prayer warrior, and he came through. He's now lived those number of years. Now, tell him why it's significant. You're the oldest living what? I'm the oldest living survivor of an artificial heart. In the world? In the 
Now, tell them what you always tell me. God saved you for what purpose? To do his will. Absolutely. His will. He has dreams and visions I, 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 don't even wanna, I can't even describe. Thank you, Al. We, we love you. We appreciate you. We honor you. Uh, but he was forced into faith. He had to have faith to live. Now, we don't always have to have faith to live, but he had to take a risk, and now he's living, in a sense, a dream that God has given him 20-some more years of his life to do what God has asked him to do. That happens to all of us. I mean, we know the story of Clay Bowie. I mean, and Matt and Kim and the whole family, they had to take steps of faith. I mean, I'm just... I, I, you know, all of you, you'd, you'd hear Kim up here and Matt and, and you'd l watch him on Facebook and you'd, you'd talk to them personally and they kept their faith going because faith is the answer. Faith was what it was all about. They had to invest what God had given them into something so that they could actually live, so Clay could live. And is Clay here? Okay, he's home, Okay. This is the Bowie family who have just stood there during this time. They had, to, they had to express their faith. They had to stand in faith. Now, my point being, uh, Luke 19, 26, I'm going to read it in the Message Bible. It says, risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and end up holding the bag. Now, Jesus is basically saying this. If you don't take risks, you don't have faith. If you don't take risks, you don't have faith. And if you don't have any faith, you're being unfaithful. It's quiet this morning. So let's go with four principles here. I'm just, I'm kind of re recall in my life and in our lives, etc. Four principles of risk-taking because that's kind of the characteristic of our lives. It's a characteristic of Jesus. And it was the characteristic of Abraham. And we're asked to, to be like Abraham. The first principle is this. Where God guides, he provides. Where God guides, he provides. Now, you better make sure that God's guiding you there. That's the first thing. you got to know God's guiding you, not just some presumptuous thought. But where God guides, he provides. If God tells you to do something, he will give you the energy, the talent, the ability, the people, the money, the space, the resource, the contacts, everything you need. God's going to give it to you. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will fully supply whatever you need in accord with his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, in my life, and I'm sure it's this way in your life, you can go back and you can remember times in your life where you had to, you had to uh, have God's provision. God spoke something to you and you kind of stepped out like Peter did out of the boat. I really like what Tracy said, uh, you know, Peter gets a bad rap. Well, the 11 disciples are in there scared to death. He takes a step. At least he took a step. And I think we got to start, we have to take steps. And we have to take risks at time. And I remember the, the biggest risk of my life when we left Portland in 1983 to come here to start a church. I won't tell you how few dollars we had in our pocket with no 
with no view to, for anything. There were a few people maybe waiting for us, but if they saw us, they might run when we first got here. I didn't know. But we, we, we get here, we, we, and I remember driving down the Columbia Gorge with Chris beside me in the, in the truck. He's seven years old, and I'm driving, and I'm leaving everything that was secure in my life, everything that, that I had built for, everything that was meaningful, driving that U-Haul truck down the Columbia Gorge and starting to weep and saying to myself, what have I done? You know, what am I doing with, to, to my family? But God... God was there. God will provide as God guides. He had spoke to us very clearly that you're to go and you're to establish a church in, in, in Boise, Idaho, and so that's what we did. I had never been a pastor before, senior pastor before, and, and we, we set out on a journey that we didn't know what was going to happen. And, but God provided every from the little thing, the littlest things, to the big things. I mean, I remember Chris, we, uh, we didn't like Portland's weather. If you've ever lived in Portland, Oregon, or Seattle, Washington, you will understand what I'm saying. Uh, it rains a lot. It's beautiful when it's sunshiny. It just doesn't, sun, it doesn't shine enough. But anyway, we, we came here, and I remember, I'll never forget this. Chris was, one day he came to me, it was like uh, July, August of 1983, and we'd been here for two or three months, and he said, Dad, I don't have to pray for sun anymore. <laughs> it's true. I'm going, well, where God guides, he provides. We had, he had to pray for sun all the time, so he'd go outside and play. And, and uh, I, I can remember the... The unique, just the little things, the, the big things. He provided a house on a golf course that we would never have even thought of. And God began to do amazing things. Miracles happen because where God guides, he provides. In coming here, we, we left security for insecurity. Now, I'm, tell, I'm just telling you my story because your story is the very same. And it needs to continue. Every one of us, I'm telling you, those of you who are younger, you better, you better catch hold of this day because God's going to make you do this sometimes. Because we, we, we left the known for the unknown. It really was unknown. We, we, had, we knew some people here, of course, but we just didn't know the future. We left the familiar for the unfamiliar. It was, uh, it was, a, it was a big step. And, and uh, you know, it... Now I look back and I think I was crazy. But no, I was faith-filled because what happened? God spoke. And so today, people say, why would you want to do that? Because God spoke. I had a word. And God began to, to uh, fill us with faith. And people began to be added from Bob and Shar and Shane and others in the first year or two. And God began to fill our, our hearts with hope. God gave us a church here, gave us a church. Everybody that's planted churches said, how can you, how'd you do that? I didn't do anything. You just walk in faith and see what God does. That's what you have to do. You walk, it's, it's an adventure. It's a journey that's an adventure because God has a custom plan for your life that if you'll only listen to God, he will work it out, he will walk it out, and you will be, you look back and you say, look what God has done. But if you doubt and you become like the servant who just kept that mine and put it in a handkerchief and put it in his closet, nothing will ever work out. 
We have to have faith. We have to step out. It's like Abraham. The, the Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 12, the Bible indicates that God spoke to Abraham and, and Abraham left a place. He left the home of his father and went to a place that he did not know of. Now, I'm going to tell you, God is going to speak to you at some point in your life. Now, I'm not talking about just geographic locations. I'm talking about spiritual steps. I'm talking about jobs. I'm talking about all the situations. He's going to say, I, I want you to go here, and it will be a place that you do not know of. You've never been there before. In fact, I would say God will do that a whole lot in your life. You will be asked to do things you've never done before. And if you stay and try to do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. And God wants you to be expanded and stretch you in your life. And so he'll say things to you. you got to do this. If you've never experienced that kind of adventure, step out. It's a lot of fun. Oh, it's challenging. But it's, 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 it's something that's fulfilling. Where God guides, he provides. And all of a sudden, we... I remember the, the church as it grew. We had 75 people the first year, 150 people the next year, 300 people the next year, 600 people the next year, and it just kept growing. God began to do things for us, and we just looked at it. And there are always challenges. There's always difficulties throughout the course of your life, my life, Al's life, you know, anybody's life. There's challenges. But we held on to Psalm 91. I'll be honest with you. Psalm 91 is one of my favorite scriptures. If you, you know, it'd be good to, for you to memorize it or to say it a lot. I remember Oral Roberts had that, that scripture memorized. He would say it every night before he went to bed. Psalm 91, 14 says, If you'll hold on to me for dear life, I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you the best of care if you'll get to know and trust me. I like that. We've held on to Psalm 91. The second, the second principle is this. When God delays, he knows best. It's like Father Knows Best. Remember that old program, Father Knows Best? So some of you young people, you missed out. There are so many things that you haven't had in life that we just enjoyed in our lives. But anyway, when God delays, he knows best. Can you say amen to that? Now, it's easy to say amen, but when it really comes, the rubber meets the road, it's a little tougher. If you ever find yourself in God's waiting room, waiting for an answer, waiting for, a, for, for a, a change, waiting for a breakthrough, waiting for an opportunity, waiting for a miracle, all these things, you just need to stop, remember, and realize God knows best. I've always said the timing of God is, is as important as the will of God. His timetable is always perfect. His timing is per perfect. He's never late. He's never in a hurry. He's always on time. You just need to trust him when the delay happens. Now, we, we remember in the life of Abraham, uh, this occurred in Abraham's life, and I find it interesting that, maybe I'll go to that scripture right now. I find it interesting in, in Romans chapter 4 when God starts talking about, about Abraham, he doesn't mention anything negative about him. All of the challenges that Abraham had in his life. And, and we look through the Old Testament book of Genesis and we say he had a lot of flub-ups. He, he had a lot of things that just didn't go right. And he made wrong choices. But you get to Romans and there's no mention of it. You get to Romans or Hebrews chapter 11, the, 
the hero of faith chapter, there's no mention of it. Listen to what it says here. I, I just, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It says in Romans 4, 13, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. All right? And it says, for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath for where there's no law, there's no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom, whom he believed God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now here's our God. You have to understand that this is what God does. He is in the business of raising things from the dead. That's who he is. That, he's the resurrection God. There's no other God that does that. He's the God who brings life to dead things. He's the God who does what it says here, who, who calls those things that don't even exist as though they are. And he asks us to speak it. That's why your confession is so important. That's why you'll hear me say all the time, you need to, you need to confess. You need to, you need to say the right thing because, as, because you were made in the image of God and as God spoke things into existence. As you speak, you actually bring life to what God wants to bring life. God has ceased speaking into the world. He expects his servants to speak into the world. And when you speak God's word and God's faith, all of a sudden something happens. So when God says something to your heart, you need to confess it. You need to say it out loud. You can't just think it. You got to say it. You got to say it. Get in your car and start prophesying it. Get out in the field and start yelling it. You got to say it. You got to speak it. You got to declare it. That's what this scripture is saying. <sighs> Who? Now listen, this is Abraham. He's the father of all of us, the Bible says. I, I just read that. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he's about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise or the spoken word of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. And then the Bible says it was imputed to him for righteousness. And this, listen to this. But also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. In other words, if we believe, we have faith, righteousness is imputed to us, grace is given to us, and we're able to live the life of miraculous living because of the faith of our confession and the faith of our hearts that we believe. If we only caught this. Now, the fact remains. Now, listen, this is, this is because you, I just read the scripture to you, but the fact remains that Abraham didn't believe there for a little bit. God delayed. God delayed. Abraham thought, well, I better help God out. And you know the result. We have an Ishmael. And the problem in the Middle East right now is Abraham made a little mistake. He didn't believe. You see, your lack of belief will cause Ishmael's to be born. But our faith will bring about Isaac's. 
And we've got to, we've got to stand in, 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 in faith knowing that there's something God's trying to say to us, and, and we've, got to, we've got to grab a hold of it. Let me read Habakkuk 2.3. Habakkuk 2.3. These things I plan won't happen right away. Have you ever noticed that? God speaks to you. Say, oh, praise God, tomorrow something's going to happen. Two weeks go by. Two months go by. Two years go by. Two decades go by. But notice what happens here. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. I don't know about you. When we first started uh, with the church, I had no idea how long things would take. I had an idea that was going to be quicker. God doesn't always... Have you ever noticed God doesn't always think it's... God doesn't think according to our timetable. God gives dreams and then all kinds of tests will come to test and to find out if we believe God or not. And over the years, I found that God would give directions. And sometimes it'd take years. Sometimes it'd be a little shorter. But... but I just knew that God was going to do something. So you stand on the word God gives you and don't give up because God always has some delays in mind on purpose because he wants to grow us up. He wants us to, to uh, continue to believe him. And I remember, remember this, Bob? Um, God spoke to us that he was going to do a new thing here. So we come to Boise and we have an old building given to us by an old pastor in an old part of town. Everything was old. And those of you who've, been, who've gone down to uh, our St. Paul Baptist, our, our location downtown now that we're, we're meeting down, that was our location. And everything was old. It was the first part of the building was built, built in 1935. In 1983, that was pretty old. The, the sanctuary was built in 1950. And we were going... God, what are you doing? So we, we were there 10 years, and we were thinking, God, this is old. But he was doing something in us. And then, we, then he told us, okay, it's time to move. So we started looking to move, and we started looking at different places and opportunities, and God says, no, that's not the one. No, that's not the one. No, that, that's not the one. About, about a year or two, we, we were searching. Remember, Bob? And we went to where Barnes & Noble is right now. We thought, oh, this is the place. He said, no. Where Pojo's in the state of Idaho has some offices down here on, on Fairview. We thought, this is the place. They actually sold it to somebody for less money than we offered. And I'm going, either we're not good, very good negotiators or, <laughs> or God's got something else in mind. Well, guess what? God had something else in mind. Now, that time, we were, we, and I'm just telling kind of given, trying to give you a perspective here, biblically, historically. We come out here, and there's nothing. This is a long ways from downtown. Back then, those of you who have been in Idaho along at all, you, this was just, these were pastures out here. This was a dairy farm, and it had been purchased by a developer, and it was just sitting here, and there was nothing past Cloverdale, really. There wasn't actually much up to Cloverdale. And there was nothing in Meridian. There was maybe 8,000 people in the city of Meridian at the time. And God 
spoke, says, I want, I want you to buy that piece of property. Really? <laughs> no, you know, you, you, you do that with God. Really? Yeah, that's what I want you to buy. Okay. It was a great prize. It really was. And I thought, man, it's a great prize because it's a long ways away. But we bought it. We built this building and, and people sacrificed. Now, I'm going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But we built this building in the middle of nowhere, not knowing what God was doing, not realizing that in a few short years, the intersection near here at Eagle and Fairview would be the busiest intersection in the state. And a lifestyle mall just across the street would be built. And Chick-fil-A, Christian Chicken, would be built right across the street. <laughs> Come on. All these things, God already knew all that. We didn't. We were going, really? But you see, God says, delays are put in your life so you'll do the right thing. What if we would have purchased down there at Barnes and Noble? Kind of, I, I don't know, I'd go, yuck. After the fact, you know, hindsight's a lot better than foresight. But I'm telling you, if you start believing God, you're going to start getting some wonderful things happen in your life. God always has delays in mind. But when God delays... He knows better. And so here we are in this location, serving God with all of our hearts. John 13, 7 says, you did not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. That's kind of what happened. You don't, you don't understand what I'm doing right now, but later you'll, you'll understand. You'll be at the busy intersection state, be at the demographic very center of the Treasure Valley. You, you didn't understand it then, but... Know this, when I delay, I think I know best. 2 Corinthians 1, 9 says, This happens so we might learn to trust, not in ourselves, but in God. God allows delays at times in our lives because he knows the future and he knows what is best. We're to trust God no matter what. We're not to look at his delays, his denials. Look at his father-knows-best attitude. The third principle, are you with me? The third principle, and this, people, this is applicable your whole life. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at all these things now. I'm, I'm preaching to myself today because I'm not retired. I'm just moving on with my next set of priorities. And the third principle, what God has given, he multiplies. Did you hear what I said? What God has given, he multiplies. I, I'm going to tell you, this is one of the biggest things. See, God can only do God only does things that he has the character in him to do because the Bible says God is love. God is love. He is things. He has character, the character of things. Therefore, he does things which are in his character. In his character, there is never a removal spirit. There is a lack spirit. There is only a multiplying spirit. And when we give things to God, he multiplies it. If you give him your time, he multiplies it. If you give him your money, he multiplies it. If you give him your talent, he multiplies it. If you give him your energy, he multiplies it. It's true. I just read the parable to you, and that's what God does. It's like planting seed. I remember my father-in-law, he, he was a rancher, a farmer. and He would plant seed, and he knew that that seed would come up eventually. In 2 Corinthians 
familiar scripture. God gives seed to the farmer. He will also give you seed and multiply it. In your lives, he will increase the things you, you do that have his approval, that you give to him. Farmers know that the seed must be given away for it to be any good. You can go ahead and eat some of the seed, and you, you, God allows you to do that, but the seed that is given to God or planted, planted in the ground, that's the seed that will be multiplied. No other seed multiplies. I know you know this, but I don't think you really know this. God is saying, if, if you want your talents to multiply, you got to give them away. You got to use them. You got to give them away. You got to, because your talents aren't for you, they're for others. Your gifts aren't for you, they're for others. If you keep seed in a sack, it doesn't do any good. It only sits there. But when you plant it, it multiplies. And when you plant that one corn seed, it multiplies into many, uh, to much. God multiplies whatever little you give him, but let's give him things. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember the person who plants few seeds will have a small crop. The one who plants many seeds will have a large crop. For God loves the person who gives cheerfully. Now, frankly, the story of this church could not be told without the sacrifices of the many people who gave over the years. This building is simply a sign that somebody had faith to believe. That's what it is. This is a 61,000 square foot building that God asked us, he, he gave us the plans, he did everything years and years ago, but some people decided back then to have faith, to believe God, okay, let's join together as a covenant group of people who would simply believe and let's see what God will do. Now, basically, it's just a sheep shed. We're all sheep. It's just a sheep shed. But it's a, it's a symbol of the faith that someone had who had ideas and thoughts, and God said, go and do that because go do all that is in your heart for the Lord's with you. When you do that, God does things, and you go, wow, look what he did. And then we look, we look at the different things that God has done from the National Prayer Center to KCOM with Dr. Stan and the teams that have been sent out, and the missionary work. We've sent missionaries out. Now we're planning churches Mark and Rochelle are going. They're going to plant a sh church in Orange County. You say, why are they going? I said that. Why are you going? You know, you can you leave the girls here, but you can go ahead and go. And <laughs> Oh, we had those conversations. We've had those conversations for over the last two years. But when God speaks, so what, you know what we're doing? We're sending seed. That's what we're doing. We're sending seed. We're going to plant campuses around the valley. We're going, to, we're going to raise up ministries. We're going to encourage people to use their gifts, their talents. I believe Faith Heights isn't even close to what it will be. I'm telling you, I've, I've, God has given me the vision. I, I've, I've seen it for years. The National Prayer Center isn't close to what God has done. This week I met with some people. I was telling you about that. And they have promises I, I can't go into detail, but they have promise. We have as a team, a group, we have promises from major corporations. And I'd like to tell you who they are, but I can't. Um, who are in the billions. And they, they are committed to help fund the mission of God in America. In the tune of billions. 
Now, you have to go through hoops and things have to happen. You know, you have to step through things and work out in agreement and unity, etc. But I'm telling you, something's happened in the world that if we will just, when God delays, he knows best. And when you give it to God, he multiplies it. So what we need to do, I'm telling you right now, God wants to use you, but you've got to give him what, you've already, what he's already given you. If you're sitting there in this, in this congregation, these seats aren't for passive people. This is just your refueling station. See, we pray every day that you'll be refueled. You've got a refueling tank right behind you. You get refueled for the work of the ministry. Everyone in this room is a minister. Everyone. You have influence. You know, John works at Lyle Pearson. He has influence. He meets all these people and, and, you know, because he sells Mercedes, they're wealthy people. And they come in and he's going to have influence over them. And he's going to be able to talk. Be able, little things you can say will change people's lives. Perspective. Just, and if, if we all are a part of that, we take the ministry that we have been given into our marketplace area and we give it away. But if you keep hiding it under a bushel, you're going to lose it. I'll just tell you right now, you'll lose it. you got to do what God asks you to do because what God gives you, he wants you to give it away so it'll be multiplied. Happens in finances, happens in talent, happens in gifts, happens in resources. That's God's kingdom. Give it away so he can multiply. That, now, that, now, just simple, simple, you've heard me talk, tell this story, but we were given the church downtown. So when we left to move out here, God spoke to us to give it away. I said, are you sure, God? How many of you know that you can actually negotiate with God or talk to God that way once in a while? Are you sure? Because I thought, man, we, we, we really need that financial thing to, to really complete what you've spoke to us, God. No, but if you give it away, it multiply. Okay. So we did. We gave it away. Who God chose. And it was all, it was all amazing. We gave it away, and almost instantly, we were given all kinds of things for this building, this location. We were giving the paving, the paving. We were given the landscaping. And then a guy comes up to me, gives the keys to the camp, Faith Heights Camp, says, this is your camp. Gave a... It was, the camp alone was worth three times what we gave away. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, what you give away, God multiplies. And God is the great accountant. So I, I don't know how he keeps track. But the Bible says he keeps track of even the widow's might. Even pennies. That's why I, I love to see children give. Because when children give, there's something. I mean, when they start giving and God starts moving on their heart, think what will happen in the years ahead because they're starting to see a seed grow in their heart, which will be multiplied. You cannot outgive God. Now, you've heard that. That's, that can be a trite statement, but it's also a true statement. And as a result, uh, we were blessed abundantly, and you will be blessed abundantly. You cannot get into a situation where you're withholding from God. There's, now, let me say it this way. There is a difference between faith and bargaining. 
faith is when you give in advance. Faith is sacrificing in advance. Bargaining is when you say, God, help me to close this deal and I'll give you part of it. Come on. Faith is stepping out. Faith is sacrificing in advance. Luke 18, 29 says, you won't regret it. No one who sacrifices home, spouse, brothers, sisters, parents, children, whatever will lose out. It will all come back multiplied many times over in your lifetime and then the bonus of eternal life. I heard of a story recently, a banker, he decided, uh, he felt led to give $250,000, which was a lot for him. $250,000 to God. The week after he gave that, the bank board came to him and says, we've had a banner year. We want to give you a bonus of $750,000. Three times, what's that? Three times as much? You cannot outgive God. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, so always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And I end with this. What God starts, he finishes. What God starts, I said what God starts, not what you start. What God starts, he finishes. Now, I remember, you know, particularly in this, in this situation with our church, because I, um, and even looking at Abraham's life, but looking at the life of the church here, when we came out here, it's almost like, praise God, we made it. And you think, we're in our promised land, no more problems, no more challenges. Oh, oh, oh they only started. But see, every, every step that God puts in front of you is a step to grow you in faith. We, we, we thought, man, we got, in the, we got this property, we got the church built, no problems, life is good, we're in the promised land, no more hurdles, and then we had to uh, take care of all the sewer and water. And back then, faith, Fred Meyer wasn't even here. Everything in this area was not here. And so we had to bring in the sewer. We had to pay for it. We had to bring in the water. We had to pay for it. We had to do all these things just to get the basics. There's more money in the ground than there is above the ground, it seems like. And, and yet God worked it out. We, had, we didn't have irrigation water to water our fields. So we had to put in irrigation uh, uh, irrigation pump and had to buy the pump. And be, you, that, this building right across here is... On the other side of the, of the parking lot is our, is our pump for irrigation water. And then we had the camp given to us, and we thought, oh, praise God, isn't that wonderful? But we didn't realize there's a lien on the camp. And we had a lawsuit. And I, this is interesting. I said, God, do you just want me to give it away? He says, no, fight for it. It's, it's part of your inheritance. And so we fought. We did. We had two lawsuits all crazy just trying to get something for nothing but we fought it God said it will be part of your inheritance and I believe it's only going to continue to be a part of what God wants to do you see what God starts he finishes and can I say this right now God is not finished with us and anybody in this room God has started something in your life that he wants to finish and there will be challenges but if you believe God he's going to move you through that now in some ways there are more exciting things yet to come. Um, and I want to congratulate you because you missed all the boring parts of the early part of this church. And the most exciting part of the race, now this is, I'm a, 
I used to run track, and so I, I know what I'm talking about. The most exciting part of the race is not the beginning. It's always the end. It's always the end. When, you know, you're finishing and see if you can push across. So congratulations. You're here so we can push across and finish together. Hallelujah. The exciting things of God. God is at work in the world. God is at work in us. God is at work in, in our church. And we see all these things that God has done. He's going to do more. There's more things going to happen. We're not done. We're planning more as God shows us, as God gives us direction. As God moves us on, we're going to see the most amazing things, I believe, the most amazing things we've ever seen in the life of this nation and the life of the church of this nation as God moves us forward. There are many things in life you don't, you don't have control over. You can't control who your parents were. You can't control, you know, uh, when you would be born. You didn't choose your talents. You don't have a lot of control over all those things. But there's one thing you do have control over, and that is the most important thing, and that is this. That is how much you choose to believe God. It's how much you choose to believe God. That's your choice. What are you going to believe God for this year? We're in a brand new year. We're just starting. Let's believe God that he's going to use us in ways that, that are just amazing. But you got to stand. You got to confess it. You got to say it. You got to believe it. You got to read it. You got to declare it. You got to talk with, with, uh, about that with other people. You have to share it. You've been chosen by God to do so. That's why you're sitting here today. You've been chosen by God. You didn't choose to be here. God chose you. He chose you. And why you're here is that many, many years ago, God knew that he wanted you here at this time. We're in the middle of a race, and I invite all of you, let's run this race together, and let's see what God is going to do. And, and, and together, we can do more than just one of us. This, the most amazing thing is what you can do when two of you, uh, you know, one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000, three can put 100,000. You do the exponential notation. It's amazing. And so I'm believing there's hundreds of us here today. Let's believe God to do something for us. Let's give our talents. Start. Don't sit here and say, well, I don't have anything to do. There's all kinds of things to do. Start praying, asking God, what, what are your gifts and how can you be used in your gifts? Not only in this house, but at your job, at your work, at, you know, and, and start a small group in which you can really in, invest things in people and help others and minister to others. Uh, you can, you can, we have, there's ministry to prisons, ministry to uh, retirement homes, there's ministry to schools, there's, there's all kinds of things we all need to be a part of. Or we can sit here every Sunday and say, ah, oh, it's a good word. See you next Sunday for another good word. And we kind of get drunk on passivity. The life that is lived for God is a life of passion and adventure. It's not always easy, but it's always fulfilling. One more scripture. Colossians 1.6 says, The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is changing lives everywhere just as it changed yours. Let's believe today for God's goodness in us. Amen? Now, I'm gonna, I want you to bow your heads. As we uh, talked about these four principles, where God guides, he provides. When God delays, he knows best. 
What God has given, he multiplies. And what God starts, he finishes. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Capital Christian. We hope you will stay connected by following us online. To find out more information, visit us at capitalchristian.com.